The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, awkward moments in the bathroom. Um, hey, we're glad that you're here. We're in a series called Ego Trip, and uh, it's been a challenging series already for me personally. Um, man, people talk about how when you go to preach things that God gives you chances to learn uh, what you're preaching about, and this is hard stuff. Uh, we're talking about our pride. We're talking about our egos, and I have an ego. And uh, so anyway, this is a, it's a difficult series, um, but uh, I, hope that you're, I hope that you're ready to press in here today. Open up to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. That's where we're going to start off today, and it'll be on the screen behind me as well. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So we're talking all about comfort today. This morning is entitled Tripping Over Comfort. And uh, if you have an ego, one of the things your ego tells you is that you deserve to be comfortable, you deserve to be at ease and at rest. Um, many times we feel like the world kind of revolves around us, which means that I should always be comfortable. I found this John Lennon quote I really liked. It says, part of me suspects I'm a loser and the other part of me thinks I'm God Almighty. How about that? Uh, I feel like that is a picture of us as our egos swell up. Many times we are bipolar and either we think way too highly of ourselves, we think we're God Almighty, or we think that we are losers and have no value at all. And the goal in this series is really to trade in whatever you see when you look in the mirror and receive what God sees when he looks at you. And so that's the goal. And so today, talking about comfort, um, I like to be comfortable. Uh, one of the things that uh, that we love to do as a family is go camping. And I, in fact, we went up to Hatcher's Pass on Friday night and went out there. And so as a family, you're always thinking, oh, cam camping equals work. You know, camping, camping takes a ton of preparation. And then you know when you get back, it's going to be hours of cleaning and uh, and just picking up after that. But we like to be comfortable in the woods. And so our rule is pack everything. I mean, if it fits in the Jeep, we will bring it. And we're getting better at this about consolidating what we need, but we just pack absolutely everything. Uh, in fact, we went out, and uh, at one point we were with some friends, and we're in the woods, and, and it's, uh, it's morning time, and everybody's just waking up, and it's just we're in this beautiful place in Alaska, and, you know, the sun's coming up, and it's just quiet. And then all of a sudden, we kick on the generator. And then we're in the, we're in the RV, and, and uh, we actually brought the Keurig coffee maker, 
here out to the woods, which I think is just another level of needing comfort in the woods because we were pulling shots for everybody from the Keurig machine. It was awesome because we just love to be comfortable and camp coffee never turns out as good as our Keurig. So we just brought the whole thing with us. But some of you guys are RV people and RV people love this. You've got the whole storage part underneath the RV that you fill up with all your junk so that you can feel comfortable when you're out camping in the woods. You know, we, we say it's the comforts of home in the woods. And so we, we love that. Anything we can do to feel comfortable. And, uh, and it's an obsession in our culture. Our culture is obsessed with being comfortable. Um, we, we feel like it's our right to be comfortable. But today I want to say this. True comfort is experienced in our greatest moments of discomfort. True comfort is experienced in our greatest moments of discomfort. If you want to understand true comfort, that means you're going to experience discomfort, which is not an easy message in a culture that loves to be comfortable and values comfort over many, many other things. Um, I do things that make me uncomfortable all the time. We as a worship team, I I used to lead worship here. Uh, We recorded some music a while back. That was really uncomfortable. Because if you've ever sung on a recording and then listened to yourself later, it is uncomfortable. I mean, it just challenges you because you hear all the little mistakes in your voice, all the little uh, imperfections. Uh, and, and so this was, this was a challenging process for me because a, a lot of times what the producer will do is he's, he's working with the music. He'll turn off the music completely. And so there, there you are just, you know, vocally butt naked with nothing else around you singing to the world. And it's just your voice raw with no effects or no anything. And so it's just uncomfortable, but that's what it takes to make a good recording. Recording. That's what it takes to get better as a vocalist, is to be uncomfortable. And so let's just pray together, and then let's open God's Word. Jesus, we, uh, we are here today to be changed and moved by you. God, I pray for those in this room that aren't even uh, present yet, that have come from a crazy morning or a crazy weekend. God, that we would be able to press into your heart for just a few minutes. God, I pray this time wouldn't be wasted. God, and that you would, you would challenge us in this sense that the world revolves around us and we deserve to be comfortable. God, that you would grow us and you would give us insight about what it truly means to know you as our comforter. Father, we love you and we thank you for your grace. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. So uh, you can follow along in the insert that you got on the way in. You can also follow along on the screen behind me. And uh, there might be a Bible in the seat in front of you. I don't know if these blue chairs got them put out again or not. But if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of those black Bibles. And you can actually take that home with you. Um, And uh, that's just a gift from us to you. But I want to talk about three kinds of comfort real quick um, that, that I think a lot of us pursue. And the first is this physical Comfort. I just love to be physically comfortable, so I am preaching today in my moccasins. I don't know if you guys have seen these things. Um, this is this is the epitome of comfort. I am telling you what. So I was at Bass Pro Shop a while back, and I went over to the to one of the walls with all the shoes on it, and I'm looking at the boots and everything, and then I spot these things, and uh, and they just were calling my name, right? And so I went over and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, those look really comfortable. And so I put one on, and sure enough, it's like, it's like a pillow. It's like a marshmallow on your foot. I mean, these are amazing. You guys are jealous, I can tell. But, so I'm staring at the wall, and I'm having this internal battle because they're $39. $39. And so I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Like, I want to spend the whole day in shoes, and then I'm going to go home, and I want another pair of shoes to put on so that I can just walk around my house. 
I mean, does this really make any sense, you know? And I'm wrestling with, it's $39. Should I spend this much money on something that's literally just to make my feet feel comfortable while I'm walking around the house, you know? And so I'm, I'm in this internal battle about this because it's just all about comfort. Well, obviously, I made the purchase, and uh, I think I made the right purchase because I, I dream about these things. At, at 3 p.m. every day, it's like, it's like clockwork. I'm sitting at my desk, and I just start thinking about my moccasins. I th- think about going home, putting on my slippers, and just enjoying. I'm such an old man now. What is this? I feel like I'm... What's wrong with me? I don't know. I used to have bigger dreams. Now I just dream about moccasins. Um, but this is my world. I just There's just something about feeling comfortable in your home. And so we, we love this. We love physical comfort. Have you seen couches today? And, and what they've, like, if you looked at a couch in my grandparents' house, like, 20, 30 years ago, I mean, they look like a piece of medieval torture furniture, you know? I mean, they're just, like, they're very uh, sharp corners, and the padding's really thin, you know? But now it's just like, it's like a bed in my living room. I mean, I want the, I want the cushy, the, the, the footrest and the cushy cushions. I just love feeling comfortable, you know? I mean, think about what you dream about. Think about what consumes your thoughts, And how much of that has to do with you just feeling comfortable in this world, you know? If I could just get a little bit more rest, then I would just feel comfortable, you know? A little bit more sleep. Even even financially, if I just didn't have to worry about money anymore, think of how comfortable I would be or how many things I could purchase, how many pairs of moccasins I could buy if I just had all the money in the world. We just dream about it. In fact, there's there's whole genres of food dedicated to this called what? Comfort food, right? We love comfort food. It just makes us feel good on the inside, whether it's soup or some kind of, you know, fatty, whatever it may be. It just makes you feel good uh, to eat comfort food. But the problem is, when you pursue physical comfort, when that is your goal in life, you don't work out because guess what? Working out is really uncomfortable. And you don't watch your diet because that can be really uncomfortable. Maybe you don't go to the doctor. Some of you guys like hate going to the doctors because you know every time you go to the doctor, it's really uncomfortable, you know? Uh, maybe you don't do things like just caring for your house or caring for your car or caring for the things that you have because it just, it takes a lot of work and energy and you just don't have energy for that. It's uncomfortable. Think about climbing a mountain or going on a hike. All these beautiful things that we have in Alaska that you can't experience if you're not willing to be a little uncomfortable. And I think about this a lot because some of my greatest memories in life are when I am physically really uncomfortable. Like I had to do a lot of work to get to this place. And so physical comfort is one of the things that we pursue. The second thing is this emotional comfort. We love to be emotionally comfortable. And this would be the absence of fear or anxiety. We all want that, right? We all want to be emotionally comfortable. We don't want to be fearful. We don't want to be anxious, you know? And so uh, the question is, what would you do to stay emotionally comfortable, you know, to just feel loved and appreciated and at ease with your life, uh, to avoid being emotionally stretched? You know, ladies, you guys, you ladies are probably better at this than the men a lot of times. We men, a lot of times, don't like to be emotionally stretched. We don't want to be emotionally uncomfortable. Uh, We like to talk about three things, uh, work, uh, money, and guns, right? And that's really all we want to talk about. And when it goes any deeper than that, we get really uncomfortable. And so oftentimes, we just start talking about something else to avoid that emotional discomfort. And we even have a term for this called stepping out of my comfort zone, right? 
And so this is a term that we've come up with to identify what it means when we get emotionally uncomfortable. And in fact, I don't know if you knew this, this it's actually, you are legally obligated to tell everybody around you when you have stepped out of your comfort zone. I mean, it's like, it's like a rule uh, that we have that we have to let everybody know, hey, just so you know, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit because we feel like this is a really big deal for us, you know, because when you step out of your comfort zone, you are risking, you're risking anxiety, you're risking fear. And it, and it is, it's a big deal to step out of your comfort zone. But if you're not willing to be emotionally uncomfortable, you know what you're going to do? You're going to stuff your feelings. Any feeling stuffers? Be honest. Feeling stuffers. All right, six of you. Awesome. Few, few of you are feeling stuffers. I can stuff my feelings sometimes. Um, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to share your feelings if you're not willing to be emotionally uncomfortable sometimes. How about, how about just going and serving or helping somebody in need? That can be really emotionally uncomfortable, right? I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know if they're going to want my help. I don't know how this is going to go. And so sometimes we avoid it because we don't want to be emotionally uncomfortable. How about with a friend of yours? Maybe you've got somebody that you have an issue with and the relationship is just flatlined. I mean, it is dead. And it's been dead for a long time. And you've let it be dead because what it's going to take to revive this relationship is to be emotionally really uncomfortable for a, at least a short period of time. To just get in there and get honest about something that they did to hurt you or something that has gone wrong in your relationship. That takes a lot of work. And the third thing is this spiritual comfort. I think we all want spiritual comfort. And, and by spiritual comfort, I mean this, this sense that your soul is at peace. Do you want that today? I know I want that. I want this sensation that my soul is at peace. Um, I don't know if you know that you have a soul. I think in the church as Christians, we talk a lot about our souls. We talk a lot about being spiritual beings. But I think in our culture, many people don't acknowledge this. We're just kind of bodies going through life. Um, I, heard, I heard one person say that uh, we, aren't, uh, we aren't bodies having a spiritual experience. We are spirits having a bodily experience. That we are literally spiritual beings. And that means that we have souls. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable to look at your soul. It's really uncomfortable to do the, the work that it takes to go, am I really at peace? Is there something bigger than me in this world? Could there be a God? And if there is a God, are he and I cool? Like, are we okay? Have I, have I pleased that God? Is he okay with me? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? If there is, which one am I going to? I mean, these are big soul questions, you know? And what is my purpose? Why am I here? Am I literally just, just going to be here for this short time and make no, no difference in a hundred years? I'll just be a distant memory and not have mattered? These are deep soul questions that I think a lot of people avoid asking because it's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. Or maybe you are at peace in your soul, but have you asked yourself, am I at peace for the right reasons? Am I at peace because I've actually identified that, that I believe what I, what I am at peace with? Am I, am, do I believe in this God that I say I believe in? Is it, is it real peace or is it just sort of this feeling of peace inside of me? And so I think we want peace in our souls. And normally what it takes is some kind of dramatic experience. It takes some kind of uh, scary experience or something, maybe our family, something happens in our families or we have this relational rift between us and someone or maybe in our marriage that causes us to look deep into our souls and ask who we are. And so my goal today as we talk about comfort um, 
is a little bit to be a rock in your shoe. And uh, I know it probably doesn't make me very popular, but have you ever had a rock in your shoe and you just kind of, you just can't shake it, right? I mean, it just bothers you. You never forget about a rock in your shoe. And so my goal today is, as we go through life, as you go to Bass Pro this afternoon, because some of you are going, like you're already planning a trip, to look at the moccasins on the wall, I want you to have something in the back of your mind that clearly moccasins, I'm glad I bought them. I'm glad I got my my slippers here. But there was a wrestling that happened that has grown inside of me, this discomfort with comfort. And we're going to get there, and I'm not going to tear apart being comfortable because I think it's okay to appreciate it. But when comfort becomes your pursuit, when it becomes the thing that you're about, we have a problem. And so I think we all need to have sort of this rock in our shoe, constantly asking us the question, why are we seeking comfort? What is our life really about? So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is preaching to this, uh, writing a letter to this church in Corinth that he planted. And this is uh, his second letter here. And uh, this church is a mess. And it's in a messy culture. And Corinth is kind of like Vegas on steroids. It's this hypersexualized culture. Uh, they had a temple to this, this goddess Aphrodite, which is the goddess of love. And there was believed to be uh, up to a thousand people, uh, temple prostitutes that would be outside the temple that you could go and have sex with in worship of Aphrodite. And so this is the culture that he's doing ministry in, is hypersexualized. Um, they also had another another god and uh, a temple to this guy named Asclepios. I can't pronounce this. Asclepius. Asclepius. Asclepios. Uh, he's the god of healing. And this god would have uh, you would have gone into the temple and you would have brought anybody in your family that would be sick and you would have spent time in that temple. And so this culture had two gods uh, specifically that they would have worshipped. There would have been um, a, a, Jew, a Jewish segment of the population as well. And so here's a church that is planted in this culture. It's just this, this mix-up, messed-up culture. And Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us. So I like this part. This is easy to swallow. God is the God of all comfort, and he comforts us. Yay, amen. I love that. And I wish it ended there. And then it says, in all our affliction. And so he's saying, literally, we are in affliction. We are being persecuted. I know a lot of you are in pain. Many Christians in this culture, they would have been very poor. They would have had maybe goods and services taken from them and opportunities taken from them because of who they were as those who were following Christ. And so this was a hard place to follow Jesus. They would have had to give things up. They would have had to sacrifice a lot. And he says that God comforts us in all our affliction. And this word affliction means to crush. It means to crush, but to crush with a purpose. Like when you crush grapes to make wine, you know, or crush wheat to make flour. It's this crushing with a purpose. And he says, the God of all comfort comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So he talks 
about this idea of Christ's sufferings, that we are sharing in Christ's sufferings. And one of the things that we talk a lot about as a church is that we are, we are entering into the sort of the solidarity with Christ. And, and as we look at the life of Christ, there was suffering. And one thing we know as those who follow Jesus is that we join with Christ in his sufferings. And he's saying we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. I'm so glad we serve an abundant God, a God that gives in abundance. And while we might have abundant suffering, we also will have abundant comfort. And we're going to continue on. Verse 6 says this, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. There's so much good stuff here. But this passage is primarily about comfort and suffering. And so we start off by talking about how we have this pursuit of being comfortable. We love being comfortable in this life. But then we read this, and it's connecting the life of the believer to something called suffering. That we're going to be very uncomfortable. And in this passage, it's got two reasons that we might suffer. If you're, if you're like, hey, I'm experiencing suffering. Suffering is uh, part of my lifestyle. Two reasons. It says that our suffering can provide opportunities to comfort others. Part of our suffering provides opportunities to help and to love others who are experiencing what we've experienced. And some of you have, have gone through this and you've seen this fruit already. Maybe you had a really difficult childhood. And so you've run into somebody who has also had a difficult childhood. And you're maybe a few miles down the road and processing some of these hurts that you've gone through. And so you're able to walk with them through this. Or maybe you've struggled as a, as a couple. Maybe you've had some miscarriages. And so this has been a difficult season. You've experienced suffering there. And so you've, you've gone through that suffering. And then you've also seen that you've been able to help a friend walk through their miscarriages, walk through their loss, you know? Maybe you've gone through depression. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Some people in this church struggle deeply with depression. But through that, as Christ has poured abundant comfort into your life, you've been able to comfort others. And so Paul is saying God will abundantly comfort you and you're going to be able to comfort other people in your life. So that's one of the purposes that can come out of the suffering and the, the discomfort that we experience. The second thing is this, so that, the, so that we won't depend on ourselves. When we're not suffering, we can really depend on ourselves. And you guys might know this, that when life's going pretty well, that God kind of falls into the background of your life. And maybe your spiritual disciplines start to disappear. But when life falls apart, you know where you go? church, right? You go to church. You go back to life group. You get connected with friends again. You start reaching back in. You start to become a person of prayer, right? Because when life is tough, all of a sudden it's like we're people of prayer. And so one of the reasons that God allows suffering in our lives is so that we won't depend on ourselves. So here's the thing. What that causes us to do, though, when we experience sufferings for the kingdom, sufferings for following God, it causes us to reassess what we believe. 
Because it's one thing when we're experiencing suffering because of our circumstances or something that's been done to us or something that um, we're experiencing in life. It's another thing when we're experiencing suffering for Christ. When we're actually walking in obedience to him and that causes suffering like many of these people in this church. It's, it's hard to follow Jesus. It's difficult to follow Jesus. And there's a recent study that's been done uh, by the Pew Research um, Institute. And they've, they've found that in the past seven years that almost 8% of, uh, of Christians have now uh, considered themselves to be unaffiliated with Christianity. That 8%, there's been an 8% decline in the number of people that, is, that would say, I am a professing believer in Jesus. Which is the church, we should stand up and notice that. We should say, what's going on that 8% of people who would say they're, they're Christians, you know, seven years ago today are saying, I'm not going to connect myself with that. And one of the things I was thinking is, you know what, in America today, it's becoming less and less comfortable to call yourself a Christian. Even 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was much more culturally accepted to say, I'm a Christian. But today, when you say, I am a Christian, it means all kinds of things to people, doesn't it? I mean, are you, are you ever, ever second-guessing yourself when people ask you about maybe your faith or maybe spiritual things? And, you know, they ask you who you associate yourself with. When you say Christian, are you ever wondering, like, what are they hearing when, they, when I say that? Are they hearing some blog that they read? Are they hearing something that they saw on the news? You know, what are they hearing? And so I think one of the reasons that there's this decline is that the declining number of Christians is in nominal Christianity. Those who would say, yeah, if I have to align with something, I'll I'll align with Christianity. But it's becoming less and less comfortable to do that. And so the the, the line in the sand is, is becoming more and more pronounced. And so Christians today, all of us in the room, are being forced to ask ourselves, do we really believe this stuff? And in some ways, I feel like that's a really good thing. I feel like, you know, there's a decline and I see this, but I'm not that worried because I know that the kingdom of God is moving through our nation and through our world. I'm not that worried about it, but I think it should cause us to ask ourselves, what do we believe? And that's what suffering does. When it really comes down to it, when, it, when, when Christianity causes suffering, there becomes a line that's drawn in the sand, right? When you know that following Jesus means I'm going to have to give something up. It's going to cost me something. It's going to hurt sometimes. It's going, to, it's going to cause physical suffering, emotional suffering. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes to follow Jesus. But what we just read is that that's when Christ gives us comfort in abundance. That's when we experience true comfort. And so I don't know if you're asking yourself at this point, Brian, are you anti-comfort? Um, clearly I got the shoes. I'm not anti-comfort. Um, but maybe you're wondering like, Brian, so are you saying that I'm more holy if I'm uncomfortable? So should I, should I like sell my house and go sleep on the street somewhere because my house is comfortable? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Should I sell my car, you know, and maybe get a smaller junky car, you know, so that, you know, I've got more resources available for the kingdom? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. You know, should I, should I give up eating for a day and just be really uncomfortable so that I might be more aware of what Christ is doing in my heart and in the world around me? Maybe. So here's the thing, like, I'm not anti-comfort. Go home to your house, put on your slippers, drink your coffee, enjoy your warm beds, because that's what I'm going to do tonight. Get comfortable, enjoy it. But 
I want to be a rock in your shoe today. I want you to have a little part of you that when you're really comfortable, that causes you to go, have I lost perspective? Am I focusing on what I should be focusing on? So I want you to, I want you to consider that because here's what I think. I think that comfort is a liar. And I think that comfort can convince you that you're okay even if you're wasting your life. I think that we can get ourselves to be so comfortable that we just feel like we're doing just fine and we're okay, even if we're wasting things away. We're wasting our time away and our, our lives away. And so I've just seen seasons of this where I have been more in pursuit of comfort than I have been in pursuit of the comforter. And that's what I want for us today. And I want to draw this, this distinction between seeking comfort and seeking Christ himself. And so I've done some things in my life that remind me of this. Um, I took some time away and went to a monastery at one point. That was interesting. And um, so they checked me in, and I walked down this hallway, and it was just white walls and white tile. It was like a hospital, you know. And I opened up my room, you know, and it's, you know, put some WD-40 on the hinges. It was just like squeaky hinges, and I get into this big open room, and it's, it's so empty. It's a bed with a sheet, and it's one desk with a Bible, and it's a crucifix on the wall. And I just went in there, and I sat down on the bed, and I was immediately depressed about my life. I just immediately was like, get me out of here. I do not like this. I, I, where's, where's my Wi-Fi? Where's my TV? You know? I mean, it was just really, really uncomfortable. And it took about a day of just feeling like there was a, there was a dark cloud around me, to start getting out of that. And then after about a day, it was amazing how God began to speak to me. It was amazing how there began to be clarity in my mind that all of the noise had been shut down. And I had worked through the discomfort so that I might hear God a little bit better. There's something to all of that. There's something to silence and peace in your life. And guess what? It's really uncomfortable to be silent. But I encourage you to do that. Um, I talked about food. Fasting is a discipline that, uh, that can really cause you to be really uncomfortable and can create great opportunities for you to hear God in your life and to be open to what he might say. There's just something about disciplining this, this appetite that, that causes us to be open to God. And I, don't, I can't put my finger on exactly why it works. If you ever want to study it more, there's a book by uh, Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. And he has this great chapter about fasting and, and why it works and all the mechanics of what's going on in your body when you fast and, and why people do it. So you can study more in that book. But it's just something that, that I've seen that is uncomfortable that's caused me to take a deeper look at my life. How about sharing the gospel with somebody? How many of you would be ready and able if somebody came up to you today and said, hey, tell me what it would take to follow Jesus? Would you know how to do that? Would you be willing to do that? Or how about in a situation where you feel like, okay, it's time. It's time to speak about my faith. I've been living as a Christian, but there's a time to speak up and to have an answer for what I believe. And so I'm going to speak up in this situation with a friend of mine. It's going to be really uncomfortable. I think we as the church, if you're a Christian here today, it needs to be part of our discipline to be somebody who shares the gospel with people, who's able to, to make an account for what we believe. And so these are all things that cause us to reassess our lives. 
Maybe you don't buy the moccasins. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if there's something today that you've been going, okay, I've been in pursuit of comfort instead of in pursuit of the comforter. So, so I've normally got three points on a sermon. I've only got one point today. True comfort is experienced in our greatest moments of discomfort. It's my only point for you. If we can walk away with that understanding that, that when we walk in obedience to God, when we invest in the things of the kingdom, it's going to hurt. And I would even say to you, if the way that you follow Jesus is always comfortable, I'm not sure you're following Jesus. I think we need to look at that. And it's going to get real here in a second. I mean, just, just listen to these verses. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3.12 Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Luke 14.27 Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Hebrews 13.12, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. You guys hear that? Jesus suffered outside the gate. He suffered outside the city, was crucified, and sent outside the walls to where the trash and where the dogs went. That's where Jesus went. And so the writer of Hebrews here, I mean, think about this. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, I, I would rather be outside the camp and outside of the city with Jesus than inside here, comfortable and happy. He's drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, you sent Jesus out with the trash. You sent Jesus out with all of those who would be ridiculed, with all the criminals. And he's saying, that's where I want to be is with Jesus. So hypothetical situation here, just totally hypothetical. So let's say you're in high school, um, and uh, let's say that you've got a big dance coming up. And uh, let's say that you ask a girl to the dance. Ladies, use your imagination. You ask a girl to the dance, right? And so you ask her and she says yes, and you're really excited because you're going to go to the dance with this girl. And so you start making plans for the dance, and then you, you hear through the grapevine that this girl, her, her parents said she can't go to the dance because they're uncomfortable with that type of setting. And so, um, so you find out about this through the grapevine. Girl can't go to the dance you thought you were going to go with. And so then you respond by going and asking another girl to the dance, Right? And so you ask another girl to dance, and uh, now you're all set, and now you're making plans with a new girl. Well, unbeknownst to you, the first girl starts planning a whole party with her friends and her family. And, and she's going to have waiters and waitresses, and going to have dinner all set up, and you're going to have music, but it's going to be at her house in a different environment that her parents are okay with. And so now you are caught in this situation between two girls one of which you're now taking to the dance and the other of which now becomes aware at some point that you're not going to go with her, that you never really wanted to go with her. You just wanted to go to the dance and you look like a fool in front of all your friends. Totally hypo hypothetical situation. I'm just kidding. I am the fool. It was me. So totally did this. Um, 
totally uncomfortable situation where I found myself between uh, two, two great girls who I had asked to go to this dance and totally looked like a fool in front of everyone because um, what happened there was the motivation of my heart became apparent. And really what mattered to me was going to the dance, not going with the girl. And I feel like, I was thinking about that this week, the question I had in my heart was, Brian, do you love Jesus or do you just want to go to the party? I mean, do you really love Jesus or are you just hoping to get to heaven? Are you just hoping to get all of the blessings from Jesus? And so in this moment for me, my, my heart was revealed and I had to really apologize uh, to both of them because I just looked like a jerk to everyone. Um, but I realized something and that's just that, that sometimes I'm, I'm in pursuit of, of my own blessings and everything's just about me. And this is why this series is called Ego Trip. Because we are forced to look at ourselves and realize that at the core of things, many times we just think that the world revolves around us. And, and when you look at your faith in Christ, I wonder, I wonder if it's really just about you getting to the dance. And so I want you to ask you that question because that's what suffering does is it causes you to reassess. Because you don't suffer for something you don't believe in. You don't suffer for something you just partially believe in. And so I want, I want you to consider today, where has Christ been calling me to suffer for his sake? Are there places in your life that you have avoided discomfort that you need to press into? Because we just read it that Christ will pour abundantly his comfort into your heart. I was thinking, at the end of my life, what will people say about me? There's Brian. He sure was comfortable. He sure, man, he had some great slippers. There's Brian. He, he really enjoyed his life. Or will people say, no, Brian suffered, but Brian suffered for the kingdom. He suffered for a greater cause. And so I just, I just hope that we as a church can grab onto these words of the writer of Hebrews and say, listen, no, my Jesus suffered outside the gates. My Jesus was crucified on a cross. He was ridiculed. He was crucified next to two criminals. He was out with the trash, with the losers, and with the junk. And I would rather be with Jesus than be comfortable. Let's pray together. Jesus, we as your church just confess that many times we pursue comfort over all things. God, I confess that in my life, many times I just wake up in the morning and all I think about is myself. And God, I just, I just believe that in this passage is, is so much greater of a purpose and, and greater of a, of a story. God, I want to live a good story. And, and it just seems like a good story is lived by investing in other people and investing in your kingdom. And so, Father, I just pray that for us as individuals, God, that you would press into our hearts right now in those places that we have resisted discomfort. For those in this room, God, maybe there's a line in the sand. Those who have never walked in discomfort for the kingdom of God, for the things that you value. Father, that you would, you would cause a wrestling to happen within all of our souls, that we would be forced to ask what we're about and who we truly love. And God, as we worship here in just a minute, God, I pray our worship 
would reflect our desire to seek after you, our comforter. God, as we lift our hands, as we sing with our voices, Father, that we would, we would just release ourselves to give you praise, God, and to acknowledge that you are king over all creation. God, that this is not about us. God, that you would give us a real perspective on who we are and that we would see ourselves the way that you see us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.